we are repentant. We are grateful. We are redeemed. We are prayerful. We are First Baptist Church. Good morning. I hope you are doing very well today. Um, I will say this. I'm grateful that Danny uh, has said that I'm the pastor at Alamo Heights Baptist Church and not First Baptist Alamo Heights. I get that all the time, and I'm very quick. I'll let you know. I'm very quick to correct those that say First Baptist Alamo Heights, and I tell them, no, there's only one First Baptist Church. (laughs) Very quick to tell them. Um, my associate pastor, Leighton Kaufman, and I joke sometimes that we should call ourselves, let's rename our church to Only Baptist Church because we are the only Baptist church in Alamo Heights, and maybe that'll help alleviate things. But it is an honor to be here. I'm so humbled uh, to be here uh, with you this morning. I, um, we are connected in many ways. Uh, I truly trust and believe and am a champion for Chris Johnson and his team. Um, Danny, and those that I'm not going to even make a list because I know I'll forget somebody and that will be embarrassing. But uh, the team here at First Baptist is, is incredible. And I'm humbled to know them and work alongside. We're at 6501 Broadway, so we are literally just down the street, except there's road construction happening right now. So you have to find an alternate route to get here. Um, but we found it and we're here. We're also connected in a couple different ways. Uh, uh, Cody Knowlton and I, I get to serve with Cody Knowlton at the Baptist Health Foundation. Uh, Dr. Hawkins and I get to serve together in different capacities. Some of us climb together, right? We climb at the climbing gym together. Uh, my daughter Olive and my daughter Ella are in classes with classmates who their families are members here. And I, I don't say all that to give any accolades, pat on the backs, or for any kind of recognition. But what I do want us to see is that we are connected. And not only are we connected, but we are united in that connection together. Now, although we we might choose to sit and participate in worship on different locations on a Sunday morning, uh, God has called us uniquely together to the same mission, for the same desire and passion. He gathers us together in buildings like this on a Sunday morning to encourage us and then empower us, embolden us to to run out of these doors to be on mission together. And it happens in classrooms. And it happens on campuses and neighborhoods and communities and at your workplaces. And isn't it awesome to know that we're in this together? I find it extremely encouraging to be here and to hear and to experience worship in a place like this, even when the youth are on stage, and I applaud you, and I'm grateful for you. 
I want us to read together. Would you stand with me? And we're going to read. We're in a series through the book of James, or you're in a series. I, I say we are in the series because I've been following along. Every Monday, I, first thing I do is I uh, come to your service uh, the day before, and so I do feel like it's a we. And so we're going to read out of James chapter 2, starting in verse 14, and we'll go to about verse 20. And so read with me. Ready? What good is it, dear brothers and sisters? If you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions, can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see Faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the Delemans believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish can you see? Awesome. You guys can have a seat. As Danny mentioned, you had uh, Mitchell Moore uh, here to kick this series up, and we are connected that way. I. Uh, I love Mitchell Moore. He is a, he's a good man. Some of you have noticed, too, um, hey, you're growing out the mustache again. I am growing the mustache. This isn't a normal thing. My wife, Hannah, gives me a time limit, and so time is ticking, and so we'll see what we can do with this. But Mitchell Moore and I uh, are advocates for the same cancer. We are both uh, um, moved and passed, and, and we're we share that story, but it's also Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and so um, I just want to recognize maybe if there's those in this room that have struggled through that or um, have won that battle, and maybe you have family members that, that didn't, and um, this is the time that we remember those and uh, advocate for and, and come alongside and, and live life with those that are facing uh, cancer, and so that's the reason for this mustache, and I promise it'll be gone soon. Before we jump into James, I, I want to do something. I, I find it appropriate to go to Acts chapter 2. And so if you have your Bibles, just take a left over to Acts chapter 2. And I believe uh, these passages will be up on your screen. We're going to start in verse 1, and then we'll skip a few. Uh, but Acts chapter 2, I find it extremely appropriate to give us uh, some setup, some context to, to really understand where it is we should be reading and what kind of posture we have when we read James' words in this book that he penned for us. Uh, as Danny said earlier in a meeting we had, and he may have said this earlier in the series through the book of James, that James didn't always believe that his brother Jesus was the Messiah. It wasn't until his resurrection and ascension that James finally took to believing and having faith in his brother who is the Messiah of the world. It changed 
everything at that moment for James. And for those that were there, so after Jesus ascends back into heaven, we have this account that Luke gives us here in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1, on the day of Pentecost, all believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. I'm going to skip down to verse 5. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. And when they heard, verse 6, the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by all the believers. If uh, you are in this room, and this may be your first time, or you may still be checking church out, and this may be the place that you're checking and, and trying to see what is this Jesus all about? What is this God I hear all about? What is this gathering called church all about? I'm encouraged that you are here, and it seems as God stirs our hearts and stirs our minds that we gather in a place like this to see and to lean in to hear what it is that God has to say. And so as we lean in, I want to skip over to verse 28 of Acts chapter 2. Peter stands up and, and boldly is going to display a message and boldly give the, the uh, stirring that's inside of his heart. Verse 28 says, you have shown me the way of life and you fill me with the joy of your presence. That has been my prayer this week. That as we gather in this place, that that's where we would be. God, show us the way of life. God, fill us with the joy of your presence. Look at verse 32. Peter declares this, God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see and hear today. Lastly, if we skip down to verses 37 and 38, Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sin and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This morning, there's two things that I would encourage each and every one of us, myself included, to do. First and foremost is this. Live life with a living faith. Live life with a living faith. And I'll even give this option this morning. Live life with a dead faith or no faith at all. I mean, when we read Peter's words here as he speaks and shares his testimony, ultimately this is the response that he's uh, answering to is the people gathered in that place say, what should we do? Now, Peter and myself and maybe the majority of us in this room would say, well, let's lean to the first. Live life with a living faith, a transformed faith. It was mentioned earlier uh, in our meeting, and maybe you have some familiarity with uh, the book of James already, but this section, verses um, 
14 to 20 in chapter 2 is probably the most controversial part of James. So thank you, Danny, for giving that to me this morning. (laughs) Because it seems like uh, James is contradicting Paul, right? That's, That's the argument. Uh, Paul, earlier in letters written to believers, uh, Paul says it's, it's, it's grace alone that you are saved. There's nothing that you can do to save yourself. There's no works that you can perform. There's no list. If you came in here this morning, there is not a list that I will give you or that we will walk away with. And if we do these things, we are saved. No, Paul says it's by grace that you have been saved. Nothing that you've done on your own. It is a gift from God that at just the right time, He sent His Son, Jesus, for you and for me. Fathers of the faith, theologians, commentaries will pin that message to James. But I would submit to you that that's not what we're going to do today. You see, because if we look at this completely in the context, there is absolutely no pinning Paul and James together. Paul's message versus James' message. Uh, Grace versus works. It's not what we're going to do today. You see, Paul was commissioned and sent out to preach to the Gentiles. He went out and preached to a group of people who weren't born Jewish, who did not grow up hiding the law in their hearts inscribing it on the doorposts of their homes. And so the culture at the time for the Gentiles was saying, well, if you truly want to be one of us, then you have to do this, 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 and this. And then we will allow you to be here. And so Paul's message to the Gentiles was you don't have to do any of that. You are marked by the grace that is showered upon you by Jesus Christ. James also commissioned and sent out to those, as you read in the first chapter, these believers scattered all throughout the known world at the time. James, as the leader there in Jerusalem, was commissioned and sent off and spoke to the Jewish believers who knew the law, who had tradition of faith already, knowing, knowing Sometimes those in his context got a little too comfortable, maybe passing off their faith as a, well, I was born a Jew. I have every right to be here, every right to be saved and set free. I know the law. I've got it memorized. I can sing the songs. I can pray the prayers. And maybe just maybe you're sitting here this morning wondering, man, the Bible is not relevant at all. And it is absolutely real and relevant. And sometimes we can see the tension between us and them is the same. That we, like these believers scattered, may have the same posture or attitude that they find themselves in. In need of a reminder to what living life with living faith feels like and sounds like. And so when we read these verses in the text together, would we see that as our message today? 
Would we feel commissioned and empowered by James' words today? And so turn with me back to James chapter 2. And I know this will be up on the screen for you as well. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Now, let me just ask this. Maybe you can participate with me. I'm going to ask this, and I'm going to let you answer it. Are you ready? Okay, that was a question already. Are you ready? Okay, good. You're here with me. Um, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that faith save anyone? Okay. Don't write me any emails because you answered it. (laughs) Now, isn't that interesting that we know the answer to this already, don't we? Let's pray. Just kidding. (laughs) James gives us an example in verse 15. Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well. Now, um, we read this, and it's, it's just words to us that we have in our Bibles. But this was actually a, gr- a greeting in their day, stay warm and be well. Like when they would pound it or elbow or hug or kiss or whatever it was that they greeted each other, and they saw each other coming and going, it was stay warm and be well. So this wasn't uh, completely odd to them. This wasn't something that they uh, didn't know. This was absolutely familiar. But if you left it there, James is saying, is that good for anyone? Because he then says, but then if you don't give that person any food or clothing, what good does that do? And here it is, and I have something for the young people here on verse 17. Verse 17 says this, so you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. You could underline, if you like to underline, highlight, circle, square, whatever you do in your Bible, or if it's digital, you can highlight it there too, unless it produces good deeds. I say I have this for young people because um, one of my favorite Bible verses comes um, from 1 Timothy 4.12, and I grew up in church, and this was something that was um, impressed on me as a young person, and I pray and hope that this is impressed upon my daughters, and it's impressed on the students here, and just raise your hand if you're a young person. I was hoping that everybody would raise their hand. So if you're not raising your hand, you're just being honest, I guess. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. You're welcome. But set an example for the believers in your speech, in your life, in your conduct, in your faith, and in your purity. Like we can leave it at Um, put a t-shirt on it, stand up here and sing and be an example. And that would be great and that's awesome and it sounded stellar. But would we hear James' words to don't just leave it there? Set an example for the believers in your speech, in your life, in your faith, in your love and in your purity. Would we be right to do the same this morning? that we would be stirred within our hearts and our minds to take it to the next step in our faith journey, that we would ask boldly, God, shape me, mold me, create me to be the one you called me to be, and that I would be an example for the believers 
in these things that Paul impressed to Timothy and that James is also impressing on us. Knowing that there were probably some listening to him, James, that this wasn't enough for them, knowing that we would be here this morning and saying, I don't know if that's enough for me. And so he says, he gives us an example, verse 18. Now, some of you may argue. Don't we argue? I, I'm going to say this. Uh, this morning, uh, we've been going to Alma Heights Baptist Church for 14 years. I've been the pastor, the lead pastor for the last three years. And so it's not often that we get to be in a different church on a Sunday morning. And so I told my family, well, Olive was already here in Sunday school, but I told Hannah and Ella that, hey, we get to drive to church today together. Because usually it's just about 80 steps from our house to the church. But I remember when I was a kid growing up that sometimes you drove to church with your family and it wasn't always like working out on the drive there, right? (laughs) But I am encouraged and excited to tell you that our drive down Broadway, it worked out. We were good. And we weren't even listening to (laughs) Caleb. We find ourselves arguing. We find ourselves walking away just thinking, I don't know about that. James, knowing that, says, so now some of you may say, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I'll show you my faith by my good deeds. I'll show you. Like, I will make a list what I did this week. I will make a list of how I prayed and how often, how I read and how often. Some may argue. Verse 19. You say you have faith, for you believe that there's one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. So this is a hint. James is giving us a hint to Deuteronomy 6.4. The Lord your God is one. Yahweh, God. We've heard this before, right? We've lived this before. But for me in my household, one God. For me in my church, one God. Good, James says, even with an exclamation point. And then he throws it in there, doesn't he? Even the demons believe this. The, new, uh, the NIV translation says that they shudder. Which is interesting because that word shudder, um, maybe you've done this before, but have you ever been in a moment where you get like goosebumps in the hair of your arms stand up? Anybody ever had that before? That's what shudder in the translation means. That even demons believe God is one and they get goosebumps in the hair on their arms stand up in shudder. They get this. We get this at times. And again, just in case we weren't listening, verse 20, how foolish. You can look at the person next to you if you want and say, how foolish. Yeah. Some of you didn't want to do it. I saw it. I'm not going to say it to them. I'm grateful that James inserts that 
Because it gives us an opportunity to be real. Just like our time of confession did, it gave us and it gives us an opportunity to say, I don't have this figured out. But I'm seeking to. And God, we're here. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Again, knowing his audience was a good Jewish audience, uh, James then gives us, and we didn't read this, but we're going to read this now. James gives us two examples. Starting in verse 21, he says, don't you remember our ancestor Abraham? Do you guys remember him? Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons said, Father Abraham, I'm one of them, and so are you. So let's just... Yeah, woo! I was hoping you guys would come with me. Yeah, don't you remember Abraham? Um, Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. You see, his faith and his actions, they did what? Worked together. Yes. Thank you. His actions made his faith what? Complete. And so it happened, verse 23, just as the scripture would say, um, Abraham believed God and counted, God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called a friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what? By what we do, not by faith alone, because they work together. They're united in one. They're succinct and in tandem with one another. You remember Abraham, don't you? He gives us the best of the best with Abraham. Abraham is counted in the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1. Abraham is also in what we call the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. And then in Hebrews chapter 12, it's all about, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off the sin that we get so easily entangled in. And let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. That's the example that we have in Abraham. And then James does this. Verse 25, Rahab the prostitute is another example. Now, before we go any further, Rahab the prostitute also is in the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1. Rahab the prostitute is also in Hebrews chapter 11 in the hall of faith. And we're reminded that we have such a great cloud of witnesses that we throw off the sin that we are so easily entangled in. And while fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Rahab was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers or spies and sent them safely away by a different road. James points to Genesis 22 with Abraham and then Joshua 2 with Rahab. And verse 26, and if you truly want a verse to underline, highlight, circle, square, here it is. Just as the body is dead without breath, 
so also faith is dead without good works. The NIV or the ESV says spirit, just as the body is dead without the spirit, so also faith is dead without good works. I want to highlight really three things uh, before we close today. Meet needs and show love. Like if there's something that you do want to walk away with, there's, there's something, okay, Bobby, so what? Why are, why are we even looking at this? I thought we were going to argue grace and works and we're all going to sit on one side or another side and throw stuff at each other. If you want to walk away with something, meet needs and show love. And I think it's important that we're doing this, and I'm humbled by the invitation to be here this morning for all of us to see that the expanse of God putting people in our lives is huge and it matters. And again, that you and I have the opportunity to make a difference in our homes and in our neighborhoods, in our community, on our campuses and at our workplaces by meeting the needs of the people that God puts in our lives and by showing them love. Jesus, in bright red letters in our Bibles, said that they will know that you are one of mine by the way that you love. Meet the needs of the people around you and show love. In verse 19, uh, James is good to point to Deuteronomy 4. 6-4 to say, God is one. Friends, our world needs to know that God is one. That He is real and that He is sovereign and that He is moving today. Don't we need that more than ever? That God is one. He is real. He is here. He is sovereign. He's got it under control. I don't know how you walked in here, but I know that my prayer as we walk out of here is that we would no longer lean on our own understanding, as Proverbs 3 says, but that we have taken the posture of leaning on our own understanding to acknowledging that I don't have it quite figured out, and I will now lean on you, God. For what comes this afternoon, for what comes Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then we celebrate it again together Sunday. God is one. But it's also good to point out that James does that good, hey, you ready for it? Maybe this is the most controversial thing I'm going to say today. Good theology doesn't save you alone. Good theology is extremely important. But good theology should move us and produce in us good fruit as was mentioned earlier. I am extremely disappointed that your apple seeds didn't produce apples. We would be extremely disappointed if we met here Sunday and Sunday and Sunday after Sunday and have nothing to show for it. It would hurt, wouldn't it? Good theology isn't enough. Lastly, 
with the example of Abraham and Rahab, I'm going to just ask again, what is it that you choose this morning? Live life with living faith or live life with dead faith? As we have a time of reflection, as we have a time of prayer, and maybe even a time of singing songs here in just a second, would we respond accordingly? Would we make the decision today to say, um, I will live life with living faith? And if we quite aren't there yet, if, if, if maybe, just maybe, this is just a backup pastor today. I want to hear Danny say it. would you continue to pray within the stirring of your heart that God would make it known to you that he has called you to live with living faith today? And then it makes all the difference. It makes all the difference. I'm going to pray for us. Father God, I thank you for those that are in the room. I want to thank you for First Baptist Church San Antonio. I want to thank you that we have the opportunity to gather in this place. And God, would we not take it for granted, even in the moments that we have left, would we lean away from our own understanding and lean back to you? God, speak to our hearts and speak to our mind. Thank you for using your brother James. to impress on us today that our lives should be lived with living faith. And it starts with relationship with you, Jesus. It starts with the testimony that Peter gave, that it is you that brings life ultimately, that you breathe spirit and life back into us. And so I pray that maybe today living breath from you was experienced and refreshed each and every one of us today. God, carry on us, carry on with us out of here. That we would live life, living faith with you. And it's in your name we pray, amen. First Baptist Church has been broadcasting its services of new life and historic faith for 46 years. We would like to ask that you continue to pray with us for this ministry and also for your financial support so that we can continue this ministry for years to come. Thank you. Thank you.